All right, so if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me uh, to the book of uh, Matthew for just uh, a moment. We're going to be looking at a number of passages of Scripture. You know, this morning I was sharing with you the, the spiritual blessings that come when we by faith focus our heart on the Lord and the Lord alone. That is, that when we choose him to be our place of refuge, and we choose him to be our strength, and we choose to trust that he will be a very present help in time of trouble, uh, then these blessings come. The blessing of discernment, the blessing of direction, and also the blessing of your divine presence. And with these blessings, uh, we have everything provided for us to navigate ourselves through whatever the crisis may be. Not just this crisis during the coronavirus season that we're in right now, but any challenge or crisis that we face in life. And they are the key. They're the power that gives us victory over fear. But the real key in the midst of all of that, of course, is that issue we call faith. And I want to dig a little bit deeper into that tonight. Uh, because it appears to me that uh, faith is one of those words like love and many of the other words that we like to use uh, as followers of Christ that we just kind of throw around, uh, make it part of our conversations, but we might not fully understand the realities of uh, biblical faith. So I want to explore that. And I want us to look at four things. I want to begin with this, and that is simply this. I want us to look at the person of, of biblical faith. Before that, let me just read here what it says in Matthew chapter 9 and in verse 29 as we're talking about this issue of faith. Here's what the Lord said to them. He said, then, the scripture says, then he touched their eyes saying, it shall be done to you according to your faith. He doesn't say according to your feelings, whatever that may be. He doesn't say according to your fortune, what you have or what you don't have. He doesn't say according to your fame. You know, who, who you know or who knows you or whatever. It doesn't say according to your friends, nor does it say according to fate. What Jesus said was, be it unto you according to your faith. You know what most people don't realize is that unbelief is the sin behind all other sins. Think about it with me. It was unbelief that caused Adam and Eve to sin in the Garden of Eden. It was unbelief that kept most, the vast majority of the adult Israelites that God miraculously delivered out of Egypt from ever going into the promised land. It was unbelief, the scripture tells us in Matthew 13 and in verse 58. Uh, in, in that verse, it tells us it was the unbelief that kept Jesus from doing uh, many miracles, even in his hometown. And then Jesus also tells us in John 3.18 that it's unbelief that keeps us from receiving the gift 
of eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read that for you as we look in John uh, chapter 3. I'd love for you to turn there. We know, of course, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And then the scripture goes on to, to say after that incredible verse, uh, in verse 16, it says, verse 17, for God did not send the son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him and then he says this this is the verse I want you to see in verse 18 uh, he says he who believes in him is not judged he does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son so here we see that unbelief uh, is the reason why so many uh, fail to receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want you to imagine with me two letters. One letter is written on very uh, fancy and um, very uh, valuable stationery. It's obvious as looking at it. Now, the words that are written in this letter are very eloquent. It is very carefully placed within the envelope, and on the outside of the envelope, the address is perfectly printed. The only problem is this letter, as it was taken to the post office to be delivered, did not have a stamp on it. But think about another letter written by uh, a child, written on just uh, spare paper that this child can get a hold of, written with a pencil so there's smudge marks all over the letter and then on the outside there's smudge marks because as he used that pencil to write out the address. And this, this particular letter is also taken to the post office to be delivered. The difference is this one has a stamp on it. Well, I don't have to tell you which one of these letters reached its designation. It's obviously the one that had the stamp. The point of this is simply that if we're going to connect with God, if we're going to set our hearts on Him and by faith, look to Him to be our refuge, <clears throat> look to Him to be our strength, look to Him to be that one who's going to be a very present help in time of trouble, We've got to deliver it with the stamp of faith on it. That's why this is so important. And it's why it's so important we begin by focusing in, first of all, on the person of biblical faith. And so as we look at that, I want you to turn with me uh, to Romans chapter 10 and in verse 11. Romans chapter 10 and in verse 11, because a very, very important statement is made here. Paul is writing uh, to the Christians there uh, in Rome and he quotes scripture in his writing and here's what he says verse 11 for the scripture says whoever believes in him will not be disappointed let me put it this way notice that he says here in this verse he talks about in him He's talking about the object of faith. The effectiveness of faith is found in the object of its focus. Now let me explain. A lot of people say to me, or you've heard people say this as well, just have faith. Or they say, only believe. I mean, here's my question back to them. <laughs> have faith in what? Only believe in what? 
Because, see, the effectiveness of faith is determined by the object of its focus. There's no power in faith alone. And that's why in this verse Paul is talking about those who believe in him. And he's saying that the object of our faith, the object of faith is a person, and that person, of course, is the Lord God of heaven and earth. There's another verse I want you to look at with me, if you don't mind. If you take your Bibles and turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. And uh, I want us to look in verse 20. Now let me give you the context here. Uh, the context is that there is a father who has a son who is demonically possessed. And of course he's looking to the Lord and he's asking the Lord for help. Lord Jesus for help. And he says to him, if you can help, would you please? And here's what Jesus responded back to him in Matthew chapter 17 and in verse 20. It says, and he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, now listen carefully to this, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Now, in those verses, the Lord is not, the Lord Jesus is not, uh, not considering the fact that we need to grow in faith. When he talks about little faith and what little faith can do. No, he wants us to grow in faith. But here's what he's saying. The key is the object of our faith. So he's saying, even if you just have the faith of a mustard, just a little bit of faith, because of the object of your faith, which is God. He says, it's not faith that moves mountains. It's God that moves mountains. But he says, if you have just enough faith uh, of a mustard seed, if that faith is in the Lord God, then you can see things happen you never believe could ever happen. And so it's very, very important we understand. We talk about the realities of biblical faith. It begins with understanding the person of biblical faith. The effectiveness of our faith is determined by the focus, the object it is focused on. And of course, that for us is the Lord God Most High. But let's look at a second thing that I think is very, very important. And that is the process of biblical faith. The process of biblical faith. Let's look back in Romans chapter 10. Let's go back to that passage uh, because Paul has some more incredible things to share with us out of this. Beginning in, in verse 14. Romans chapter 10 and uh, <clears throat> excuse me and in verse 14 uh, the scripture simply says this. Uh, he begins by asking some, some questions here. Uh, verse 16, not verse 14. No, it is verse 14. I'm sorry. How then, he asked these questions, kind of rhetorical questions. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? That is, without somebody that's going to proclaim it to him. Now, notice in these questions that, that Paul is relating what they hear 
to their belief. The key to their belief is what they hear. So then he goes on to say in verse 17 this, and this is very important. He says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ or the word of the Lord. Now, I want you to listen carefully to what I'm about to explain. Notice that he says in this verse, he says, faith comes. What does he mean by that? Well, it means it's not something that we can just create within ourselves. It's not something that we can just manifest within ourselves. There's something that gives birth to faith in our hearts. There is something that energizes faith, that gives life to faith in our hearts. And he tells us in this verse what that is, and that is the word of Christ or the word of the Lord. When we receive a word from God, listen carefully to what I'm saying because this is so important. When we receive a word from the Lord, that means we embrace that word we have received from him, then he gives birth. The spirit of the living God gives birth, gives life to faith in our hearts for us to be able to embrace that and to live by faith on the truth that we just heard. So let me explain it this way. In Scripture, there's two different words used that are, that are eventually uh, translated word for us, the word of the Lord. One of those words is the word logos. And the logos is a reference to the written word. This right here, the Scripture, the Bible, we call it the word of God. This is the logos. And God speaks to us through this Logos. When we're reading it, when we're studying it, maybe when it is being proclaimed even in a song. And, and so a verse is being magnified through that song. But God speaks to us through the Logos. So that when maybe we're having a devotion time. Or uh, maybe we're listening as you are right now in, in a Bible study. Uh, maybe you're having your own Bible study with your own group. But when you're in this logos, the word, you're reading it, you're studying it, and all of a sudden a new truth comes to your understanding. Boy, the lights come on and you begin to understand that truth. That is God speaking his word to you so that, now listen carefully, if you are reading this and studying this with the intention of, of and the purpose, the sincerity of heart to take what you're learning and you're going to build it into your life, let me tell you what the Spirit of the Lord will do. When you hear that new truth and that's the sincerity of your heart, he will ignite faith in your heart to be be able to live that truth out in your life. He'll birth that faith. He'll energize, give life to faith in your heart, and you will be able. Now, listen, if your heart is hard and you're just going through the motions and, and you really don't have the, the purpose or the intention of doing anything with what you're reading, what you're studying, what you're hearing, then it's just words on a page. But when you have a heart that is open and you want to hear from the Lord, I want you to know that when he speaks to you through the Lagos, then he will give you, he'll birth faith in you. Faith comes. It is energized, given life when we are responding to his word to us, the Lagos. But there's another word 
that is also used in Scripture. And actually, this is the word that is used here in Romans chapter 10 and in verse 17. And it's the word rhema uh, from the Greek. And so when he, when he writes, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the rhema of Christ or the rhema of the Lord, the word of the Lord, then he is talking about something even more in, in, in terms of the logos. He's talking about God speaking a word directly to your heart. Listen, have you ever been reading the word, studying the word? Maybe you've been in a service, maybe uh, having a devotion time, but you, you have heard the logos and maybe you got a difficult problem you're trying to solve or there's a difficult person you're trying to figure out how to deal with or there is a definitive situation that you're in and, and, and you're trying to find some direction. You've been praying and asking the Lord for help that he's going to be that, you know, that, that help in time of trouble and you've been crying out to him. And then all of a sudden, either through a song maybe or through that study or through that message, God speaks to your heart, and you know it. You feel it. You know God is speaking to you. That is called a rhema. God taking the logos, applying it in your personal life where you are to give you a personal word. That is called a rhema. And again, when we are willing to receive that word, then he will ignite, he will birth faith into our hearts so that we can live that out in that situation, in that circumstance, whatever it is that he is asking us to do. So, when we talk about biblical faith, the realities of biblical faith, we not only talk about the person of biblical faith, the living God, but we're also talking about the process of living faith, which is giving birth to faith when we receive joyfully the word that he has for us. Then the third thing I draw your attention to is the purpose of biblical faith. The purpose of biblical faith. As we begin to look further into scripture, I can, I, can ask, I can answer what the purpose of biblical faith is not. So I want to give that to you first, and here it is. Biblical faith is not for our will to be approved in heaven. Now, I want you to think about what I just said. Biblical faith is not for our will to be approved in heaven. But biblical faith is for God's will in heaven to be practiced here upon this earth. In other words, when God gives you a word out of the Lagos, or God gives you a word, a rhema, a personal word to you, using the Lagos, and he speaks to your heart, the only thing he's going to reveal to you is his will. It's like when Jesus was teaching the Lord's Prayer, and again, I hope you can join us on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. But in Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 10, uh, he instructs us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And, and let me remind you again what John tells us in 1 John chapter 5 and, and in verse 14. Uh, as he is talking about prayer and the importance of prayer and, and uh, our calling out to him. And he, here's what he says in that incredible verse, just to remind you of it. Uh, he says, this is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
That means he hears us with the intention of answering us because he's not going to give us anything that is contrary to his will. So the purpose of biblical faith is not for me to get my will approved in heaven, but to get God's will done here upon this earth. And so all of these messages, what I call name it, claim it messages, no matter how they package those things or not, they're not true to scripture because it's all about his kingdom coming. It's all about his will being done in our lives and that opens our lives for his incredible blessings upon us. So let me close with this. We've talked about the person of biblical faith. We've talked about uh, the process of biblical faith. We've talked about uh, the purpose of biblical faith. I want to close with this simple word and that's the practice of biblical faith. You may be saying to me, God doesn't speak to me that way. So then I have this question to you. Do you have ears to hear? You know, when Jesus wrote or sent seven letters to the Apostle John to the seven different churches, you find it in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, there was, there was a declaration made in every one of these letters. And this was it. If you have ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So I'm asking you, do you have ears to hear? That's the key. That is, do you want to hear from the Lord? Do you want to know what his will is? Do, do you want to uh, get a word from him through the Lagos? Do you want him to give you a personal rhema? Do you, are you listening to the Lord? Because if you've got ears to hear, that there's a want to in your heart, because your intention is to do something with it, then God will speak to you. Either through the Lagos, through his word, or through a rhema, a personal word, and you embrace that, he's going to ignite faith in you. He's going to birth faith in you so that you can live that out in your life. And so I want to grow in my faith in the Lord. I want you to grow in your faith in the Lord. And hopefully this truth about the realities of faith is going to be a benefit to you uh, tomorrow, this week, and in the weeks and months and years ahead as you grow in your faith. Now join me as we close in prayer. So Father God, thank you. I thank you that you love me so much that the only thing you're going to reveal to me is your will. Because I know that it is your will that I should want more than anything else. Your will, your word, your ways, because that opens up my life. I, I can come to you for a place of refuge. I can come to you to be my strength. I can be counting on you to be that very present help in time of trouble. But Lord God, what I need is to hear from you because that is where the 